say the game is getting old Monday morning and your coffee's cold Life is not what you want it to be You need another chance Hello everyone and welcome to A New Direction My name is Jay Izzo And oh, have we got another great show I'm telling you, this book, Quantum Lean And you go, well, I've heard of Quantum Leap Right with Scott Bakula, remember that show? Right back from the late '80s. This is Quantum Lean. If you loved the show, you're going to love this book because I'm telling you, I have read. You know, I read a book a week for the show, and I'm going to tell you right now, I've had more fun uh, applying the principles from this book every place I go, and it just creates efficiency. It stops the waste. It is absolutely, uh, I, I think it's just, a, it's a timeless and it's a critical book. It's going to help you. It's going to help your business. Matter of fact, it will help you make a better PB&J. <laughs> you think I'm making that up. That's absolutely true. He actually can make, help you be more efficient at making peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. It's that much fun. It's a great book. Sean Fields is the co-author of the book. Oh man, we're going to have a really good time with him. He is so smart and he's so good and he's just unbelievable and the book quantum leap fantastic available everywhere bookstores uh, uh amazon everywhere books are sold before we do that though let's do what we do every week get started with this right i talk to you about your growth in the four areas of your life physically mentally emotionally and spiritually right you know the truth of the matter is uh if we're not growing we're dying because we never stay the same and you know you know, we have to be honest, right? We are four-part people. We're physical people. We're mental people. We're emotional people and spiritual people. And if we're not growing in all four of those areas, they lag. They wither away, right? It's kind of like if you've ever learned a foreign language when you were in high school and, you know, years later you've never done anything with it, what happens? Right? Well, you know what happens, right? It, we just don't remember how to speak the foreign language anymore. So, you know what? It's, a, it's about upkeeping uh, what we do, and it's about upkeeping and being stronger and maintaining ourselves and growing in every of those areas. So let's talk about the physical. So on a scale of one to 10, one being, mis- one being miserable, 10 being outstanding, how would you rate yourself in terms of your growth? Are you eating right, getting enough exercise, drinking enough water, getting enough sleep, You know, doing the things that you need to do to take care of your body? How would you rate yourself on that scale of one to 10? Right? Uh, like I'd say seven. I'd, and uh, the the reason I say that I, I eat pretty decently. My weight is pretty decent yeah. as far as physical fitness. Not very good. You know, right. like it's easy to get winded, but you know, I feel like, you know, pretty decent for my age, age adjusted, let's say, but, but I think that you could totally take me in a fight for sure. When I look at you, I love, I love it when the guests yeah. get involved with this because it's really yeah. cool. Okay. So Sean's a seven. So what are you out there? All right. All right. So there's your first number. Yeah. Second number is the mental growth, right? And when I talk yeah. about mental growth, what are you doing to grow yourself mentally in terms of uh, how are you becoming an active participant, maybe learning something new professionally, maybe learning something about yourself personally on that same scale of one to 10? How would you rate yourself? That's, I'd say a nine. And where I'm fortunate there is that my circumstance forces that on me because I work with a lot of different companies and I run into different situations constantly. And so you're always having to adjust, really think hard about what you're doing. And so that that keeps me fresh. I mean, I've, you know, maybe I was fresher at another time, but I'm, you know, I think I'm staying reasonably fresh based on just my life, my life situation right now. So nine. So Sean says he's a nine. So, I mean, you hear that, right? You hear how he's staying fresh, staying on top of it, staying on top of his game, right? That's what I'm talking about right there. So what are you, right? Now, listen, if you're not a nine like Sean, that, we're not, that's not a problem. Okay. The goal here is if you, let's say you're a three and if that's what you are, that's what you are. We, what we're trying to get you is from a three to a four, all right? I don't want you to try to get to a three to a 10. We're just looking for little improvements, right? Because a smaller, even a small baby step is a positive direction. All right, so now comes the emotional piece, right? So on the same, same scale of one to 10, and we're looking at two pieces here. We're looking at one, how well are you able to control your emotions under stress? And then the second piece is how well are you able to tap in and understand the emotions of others? What do you think, Sean? What would okay. you give yourself? On, on the first part, I feel like an eight. Okay. I would say when I was younger, 20 years ago, I was not nearly as much in control of my emotion under stress. I had innately, I have a temper 
you know, and I, but my temper just doesn't flare up nearly as much now. I'm, I'm over 50 now. And so my temper just doesn't flare up. And maybe it's just you get enough experiences and you don't sweat it nearly as much. So I would say on that level, just me personally, maybe, you know, maybe an eight or nine. Okay. And as far as for others, I feel like that's gotten better for sure. But, uh, you know, maybe, uh, maybe a seven okay. because I, I get along with most people pretty well. And so I feel like that would be evidence that I'm actually being considerate yeah. of their emotional situation. So that's, that's what I think, you know, I, I, that would be up to other people to tell you really, but I think it's okay at this point. You know? Yeah. So, so Sean, would, if we average those two, I'd say he's about an eight, yeah. maybe 7.5 to okay. eight somewhere. Okay. There. okay. Yeah. Okay. And so, yeah. all right. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. great. How about you okay. out there? What do you guys yeah. think you're at? All right. Awesome. All right, so the last area. This one's a tougher one, right? The spiritual right, area. Yeah. Right. So here's the thing. So a lot of people don't think they're spiritual because, yeah. you know, they say, "Well, I don't know. They believe in God now." Okay, but yeah. spiritual is about what do you believe in and what yeah. gives you a sense of peace, what gives you a sense of centeredness when things are falling apart around you. So for some people, yeah. it is God. For some people, it's nature. For some yeah. people, it's meditation. Um, it could be a variety of things. It's whatever you go to in order to give yourself some centeredness or, in the midst of chaos, some peace. So what we're asking is, first of all, how is that going? And then, you know, how would you say you're growing in that area and, and is it working for you? And what right. number would you give yourself a scale of one to 10? Uh, maybe a five. Okay. And the reason I say that is that I believe in God. I, you know, follow the Christian faith, but um, you really understand how much distance you've got to go if you're really going to fulfill that. Mm. And so, you know, I mean, uh, yeah, I think real and really when I say five, I think I'm being way too charitable with myself. But as far as being, you know, patient with people, as far as being kind, as far as love and also just obedience, you know, obedience right. to God himself. So to me, those are all big questions. And, uh, and, you know, maybe I would say maybe at a certain point in my life, I was better and maybe I've fallen off a little bit, but, uh, you know, but fundamentally the thing that I lean on is that I do, I do have beliefs and I do have certain things that come from that belief and, and a faith there. So, but I'll say five, but I mean, ultimately I'm not sure if I'll ever truly exceed that. And I'm, I'm maybe being way too generous with myself. So, well, we're kind of a work in progress, aren't we, Sean? Right. Well, fair, fair. <laughs> right. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. We're kind of this work in progress. And right. so I think five can be fair because we're just kind of always trying to get to the next spot. And I agree with you. I think, yeah, yeah. you know, well, I, yeah, I would add a point. It's it's kind of like when, and I and I'm not trying to impose anything on, sure. on people who listen here, but if if you believe in the Bible, people who have literally seen God, the first reaction they have is that they want to fall down dead. Right. It's, they're, so, they're so humiliated <laughs> with with the greatness of of God that they want to fall down dead. And to me, what I would might liken it to, I've always thought, what if I wrote a song, but I had to play it for Paul McCartney. And I mean, I would absolutely die of embarrassment if I wrote a song and I had to play it for Paul McCartney. I'm going, what business do I have actually, you know, sharing this song with, in my opinion, the greatest songwriter ever, you know? Right. So that's, and then that's just a fraction of what you'd be dealing with. So it's, it's kind of like really maybe in true spiritual terms, I'm a, you know, I'm somewhere between zero and one. So that's, uh, you know. <laughs> I think we, again, I agree with yeah, you. I feel yeah, like, I feel like yeah. this, I'm the same way uh, yeah, as yeah. well. So so you guys, you've heard you've heard Sean being honest, yeah. and, and we're asking you out there what yours is, and then we're yeah. going to ask you yeah. this. You know, uh, we have to think about those four areas and those four numbers, like the legs of a chair. If they're uneven, right? Kind of gives us a gauge of yeah. where we need to grow. And then the thing is, if they're too low, we can't really nourish ourselves at the right height of the table. So we want to bring ourselves up. And um, as you heard from Sean, you know what? He's got it together and uh, you're going to love him. Let me just tell you a little bit about him because he's fantastic. His name is Sean Fields and he is uh, co-author of this book, Quantum Lean. He's got over 30 years of experience in a wide variety of industries, including oil, uh, field equipment, manufacturing, food processing, and uh, job shops. Sean is a seasoned industry professional who's worked in all phases of business, including the shop floor, quality, safety, and engineering. Over the years, he's found himself in a great deal of situations where he was expected to implement lean approaches in environments where conventional lean methods were either impractical or simply didn't work. However, by returning to the fundamentals that Henry Ford first established, Sean found that lean could be sustainably applied in, in practically any setting, and you're going to hear that today. Since then, with multiple implementations in the most challenging environments, Sean 
wants to share his experience, ideas, and approaches that you too um, can build uh, on the foundations that Henry Ford laid. He is, uh, he is, in addition to being an active lean, quantum lean practitioner, he is also a um, network member of a nonprofit organization called the Beehive Fund, uh, who assists companies with production scheduling, inventory control, and developing quality management systems. Uh, he's also a columnist for the Lubbock Avalanche Journal. He is a licensed professional engineer in the state of Texas, and he's a certified Six Sigma Master Black Belt and a certified QMS auditor, and he resides in Lubbock, Texas with his wife and has two adult daughters. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show, and welcome to a new direction, Sean Fields. Welcome, Sean. Well, well thank you. I, I really appreciate you having me on your show, and I really look forward to this. So let's dig right in. Uh, the book, uh, Quantum Lean, uh, available everywhere. Um, that books are sold. Uh, let's talk about this because I think uh, people, when we we talk about lean, I, I think some people don't know what that really is. Um, right. Although we've had um, Mark Deluzio on who talked about traditional lean a little bit. Let's kind of give folks just a really quick overview if we can, um, but I'm thinking that you can, of what lean, when we say lean, what are we really talking about? Okay. Well, I'll give a, a little bit of background. Uh, you know, like after World War II, Japan was basically flattened. You know, they're like they'd been bombed into a lot of oblivion. You know, a lot of their industrial base was was you know finished off. And one of the things that uh, you know, when Japan was being advised by our government, our government told them, "You don't need to get into manufacturing. You don't have natural resources. You don't have space." You know, you do have people, but you don't have the other two things. And uh, the leaders of Japan said, forget that. We're going to be a manufacturing power. And one of the things that Japan used to really become an industrial superpower were ideas that are part of what's called lean manufacturing. And the really most famous case of someone applying those techniques was Toyota. And, you know, Toyota went from being a pretty minor car company and now they're the world's number one car producer and really a lot of it i'd say most of it was due to applying principles that are called lean manufacturing now the if i were going to give a real fundamental idea to people and this is based on quantum lean i would say if we get down to the essence of the thing it's really about getting the turnaround time on your fulfillment as low as possible while making sure that whatever it is you're providing is as high a quality as possible. And that, that to me is lean. Okay. So, so I was thinking about this because, you know, I think when we talk lean, I, I, I was trying to tell people that if I were to think about it practically, it's like huh? getting rid of all the wasted time that you have in your business as much as you possibly can so that you can be more efficient and effective and profitable. Right. Is that, a, is that an oversimplification maybe? No, no, I, I agree with that totally. One one thing I would add to it, and I think this is real important because people can get crossed up. Uh, I think you always look at time from the viewpoint of the product or the deliverable that you're that you're bringing to mm. somebody. And the reason I say that is because one thing I've seen throughout industry is that if you move the goalposts, you know, like like if you had moving goalposts on a football field, nothing would no no record would mean anything. Like if someone gets the longest return for a touchdown, if you move the goalposts around, what does that mean? Maybe he ran one yard, maybe he ran a hundred. And to me, if you if you base everything around the product, you get a consistent goalpost and that goalpost remains fixed. And so you really can make a consistent judgment on what what your progress is. Because what people will do is they'll say, I'm gonna try to make this resource really efficient. And what'll happen is it's real easy to make a resource efficient at, at the expense of the total business. Uh, like if I'm going to give just an everyday example, if you go to a house, you've got a washer and dryer. And in most houses, the, the dryer is actually a lot slower than the washer. Right. And if you're thinking like a lot of business people, they'd be saying, oh, I need to utilize the washer and the dryer all the time to get my costs down. But anybody in a household knows if I run the washer all out and I run the dryer all out, what am I going to end up with? A, lot of wet a big pile of wet clothes, right? And, and that's what's happening in a lot of businesses. They're so obsessed with making their resources maxed out that they create the equivalent of a lot of wet clothes. And it, that induces all kinds of costs to the business. But if you if you look at the at the actually close themselves and look at time from the standpoint of the close, now you start looking at efficiency in a very different way from the way a lot of people think about it. Uh, you, you, this is interesting because 
you talked about, we talk about the product and I yeah. think sometimes there is this misconception about what the product is and, and you do a magnificent job in quantum lean of helping us kind of, even from a service industry standpoint, understand that our product sometimes is our customer. Right. Uh, That's often, yes. In the service industry, oftentimes, because you give us the example of, you know, going to the doctor's office and, you know, talking about that. Well, if you want to think about it, the product is, is the, is the, the patient at that point. Correct. And, exactly. Yeah. And if it, if you're in real estate, because I have a lot of real estate folks who listen to this show, mm -hmm. the product mm -hmm. is your consumer, you know, right. Right. Whether you're listing a home or whether you're mm -hmm. selling them a home because you don't own yeah. any of the homes. So right. the product becomes consumer. And so when we apply these quantum lean principles, it identifying that product and then making sure, because you say this so brilliantly, and this is what, this is what excited me so much that everything that we're doing here is serving the product. Right. Right. I mean, really what we're oh, doing. No, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's, and this one thing I wish I'd put in the book that I didn't, or in the, that we didn't is that if someone's confused about what the product is, just think about what is being served. Mm. You know, and then if mm. you think like if you're the server, what's the servee? Mm. And that that'll give you an idea of what the product is. If someone doesn't know exactly what to do, and uh, but what you said is I totally agree with is that to me the product is the only thing that gives a company a life. Right. You know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because it it really yeah. does. It. it I yeah. mean, if you if you are in a service industry, if yeah. you don't have enough product, you have a problem. If right. you have too much product, that can be a problem, right. <laughs> right. Right. right? If you can't serve your product appropriately, it's a problem. If mm -hmm. you are taking too much, if your product is taking too much time to get from mm -hmm. point A to point B, that's a problem. If right. you've got too many things in the way, that's a problem. So I was yeah. like going, my gosh, how fun is this uh, to like look at this from the standpoint of this quantum lean applies in every situation. And I, and I just want people to understand that. Um, in chapter two, um, defining quantum lean part two, um, and you have two, uh, you have some great quotes uh, here. One is uh, by Henry Ford, the longer uh, an article is in the process of manufacture, the greater is its ultimate cost. And then um, the, the other one is by Shigeo Shingo, which is the most dangerous kind of waste. And I love this. The most dangerous kind of waste is the waste we do not recognize. That's really a problem for every business, isn't it? That they don't recognize the waste that they have. Oh, oh no, I, I totally agree. But it's not easy, to, in my opinion, it's not easy to recognize waste. And one of the reasons that the book Quantum Lean was introduced is because uh, it was to get past that issue. Because, uh, I'll, well, let me, I'll backtrack a second. Is there, and this may blow your mind, uh, is that 10,000 books have been written on lean systems mm. i don't did you, did you know that no i had no yeah. idea <laughs> yeah wow. yeah it, it, it blew my mind and wow. so let's say let's say quantum lean was the ten thousandth book written you know somewhere it because this one you know it got published in september of last year right. the thing that i think any reader ought to ask and will ask is what the heck can a book say on the ten thousandth try that the previous <laughs> nine thousand nine hundred nine ninth haven't already said <laughs> right but but to me if i'm going to like give someone an idea is that uh, quantum to me, like other people, when they explain lean, they've not presented it in a way that is practical for most people. And quantum leans explained in a way where you can actually identify waste mm. because well, and I'm, you've been exposed to this Jay, I know, but maybe the audience hasn't, but if you're doing conventional lean explanations, you know, for how you make a system efficient, they've characterized waste eight different ways. They, they call it the eight wastes and they'll say there's a waste of overproduction, there's a waste of motion and several others. Right. But to me, you've just introduced someone. Now they have to be able to memorize and recognize eight different forms of waste. And then there's even a, an analytic method they have that's called value stream mapping. Value stream mapping has 26 symbols Oof. that you have to memorize. Right. And so to me, you know, when I was first doing lean and this, I was start, I was starting out with lean about 20 years ago, I was trying to apply it in shops and I just went, you know, I just went, this doesn't work. You know, I just right. it, it, because to me, you couldn't identify what to do. You couldn't determine the priority. And really the, you get down to what Henry Ford taught the essence of the whole thing is time. And if you just look at one thing time, then you can actually 
backtrack and get to all the wastes if you'll just kill the time. Because the only place waste can thrive is if time exists for the product. If the if the product if, if you could take a magic wand and just say, you know, abracadabra, a product appears, there is no waste in that process. There's no way for waste. It has nowhere to sit. And so if you there's when you get that time really, you know, down to the minimum, there's not much place for waste to take hold. This this idea of time, which yeah. we're, we're focused on right now, is yeah. is so critical because you know you make this quote in the book. I'm I'm going to paraphrase it a little bit, but basically what happens is we use this phrase "time is money," right? But we really don't we really don't do anything with that phrase. We just say it mm-hmm. without really understanding that time is money. But what quantum lean does is it really puts the quantification, if you will, in that how time is money or wasted time is costing you money. Is that, is that pretty accurate? To Yeah, I'd say exactly. The, uh, the, because the, like one of my theories, and this is just a theory, is that the things we hear earliest in our life are the things we think about the least. <laughs> like, like, you know, well, I mean, we, I think it's most of us have heard from the crib, time is money. Right. And so it's just, we accept it as the reality of things. And then you just stop thinking right from there. Like I'll give an example. Uh, most people in America believe that they're descended from native Americans. Right. You know, like, like, and it turns out most Americans are not descended from native Americans. Right. Like I was one of the people that believed that. But, you know, my dad did a genealogy check. It turns out I have none of that ancestry at all. But the funny thing is I had a great-grandmother that professed to be 100% full-blooded Native American. And I believed it. But what's funny about it is that when I look back on it, I'm going, why on earth did I believe that? That's absolutely ridiculous. If you look at her, it doesn't look remotely like right. like an Indian, you know. And so the the point I'm bringing up is that I just didn't question it. I heard it from the earliest age, and so I just believed it. But then later you get a few facts and you're going, wow, okay, that's that's ridiculous. But to me, time is money is super valid. But to me, you hear it early and you don't think about it. And so the main reason in Quantum Lean to address it is just to give people an appreciation for that fact, because if you believe it, then you'll follow quantum lean and get really good results. You know, that, that's the way I look at it. So his name is Sean Fields. He's co-author of the book quantum lean. And you know what? You're listening to him here on a new direction. Hey folks, listen, I got two great sponsors. Epic physical therapy is one of them. Whether you're recovering from an injury or surgery, suffering everyday aches and pains, having difficulty performing activities of daily living, you're unable to perform athletic activities because you're a professional athlete or a young athlete. Maybe you're just looking to improve how you feel and move. The elite team at Epic Physical Therapy will provide you with a customized treatment plan tailored to your individual needs. With their experience at rehabbing young athletes to elite professionals, they really do understand the need to treat your entire body as a functional whole, not just your symptoms or your injury. So when you're ready for your epic relief, ready for your epic recovery, and ready for your epic results, you can learn more by going to epicpt.com. That's E-P-I-C-P-T.com. And Linda Craft and Team Realtors. For over 35 years, they have been serving their clients Uh, and been at the top of their game. And they do that because of the relationships that they make and maintain over the course of time. Yes, she knows her business, but her clients say she is a legend of customer service and experience. So when you're ready to buy or sell your home, regardless of where you live in the world, start with Linda Craft and Team Realtors. You can learn more by going to lindacraft.com. That's L-I-N-D-A-C-R-A-F-T dot com. And we're back here on A New Direction. We're with co-author Sean Fields and his book, Quantum Leap. And we're about to get into some of the nuts and bolts of uh, Quantum Lean. And um, and we're going to talk about that. So let's let's just do that right now, uh, Sean. Um, I want to, chapter two is kind of where we start defining Quantum Lean, at least to get into some of the nuts and bolts of it. And you talk about when minimizing time, categorizing it will help uh, our you know, tie our, our, our efforts together here. And so we have three types of classifications, right, that we can classify behaviors or time elements, right? You have conversion, non-conversion, and delay. So let's talk about each of those elements, what they mean, and in terms of how we need to approach and take a look. Is that a good place to start? I think so, yeah. Okay, sounds, okay. sounds great. All right. So go ahead. Uh, okay, okay. Uh, 
yeah, and when you're looking at like the product or the thing that you're delivering, like you you have to look at the time and you need to to me as a method to the madness, you need to characterize that time three different ways. And so the one of the first one of the most important things early on in most lean implementations is you need to get a handle on the delay for the product. Because if you go into most businesses, the product experiences a lot of delay during the fulfillment. So a delay is a situation where a product or a service is not being attended to by anybody. Mm. It's just sitting there. And it's no no manner machine, no resource or person is tending to that product. And so like, uh, you know, I'll think of an example in a second, but like a delay is really a critical thing to know about. Now, if you're not in delay, then a resource is doing something to you. You know, a man or a machine and or a machine is doing something to you. So there's one situation where we call it conversion. And conversion just means you're actually being converted into a, a form that's closer to finished form. And there's a, another category that's called non-conversion. And you're being dealt with, but you're not really being converted. And by that, uh, generally in quantum lean, it uses four different uh different categories or four different types of actions that will call it non-conversion. So it would be like moving something, like if you were just uh, like taking a forklift and moving a skid from one end of a plant to another, that would be called a non-conversion. There's also handling. That would be like you're uh, actually loading a skid with boxes. You know, just you're just handling the boxes, but nothing about the boxes is changing. And when you move a box from one end of a plant to another, you're not changing it. And then there's rework, and then there's inspection. When you're inspecting a product, it's a necessary thing, but you're not really changing the product. You're just establishing whether or not it's good. And there's there's a method to that madness and a reason for it, which is if you can look at the things that happens to the product in that way, you can do it in a quick way. Because one of the things that happens in typical lean implementations is they love to talk about value added and non-value added. And they're if you take 10 people off the street, you're going to get 20 different opinions of what value is. And so trying to get people aligned to that is uh, really pretty tough. I mean, if for any of those, any of your audience that's been involved in a lean implementation, I think they can value added versus non-value added can really be lengthy. And to me, it's just a total waste of time. It's, it's who cares if we get the, if we get the time for the product down and really give the product what it needs, we're making progress toward getting a better and better business. So let's let's do this. Let's let's do conversion, non-conversion delay. And with an example that you get from the book, going to the doctor. I think that's yeah. gonna, I think that would be right. kind of a fun way to kind of get people to see it because I think the doctor's office uh, we've all been to, so mm-hmm. we can all relate. And at the same Correct. time, um, you know, it can apply to a number of different service industries as well. So, doctor's office, who's the pro- what's the product? Yeah, the product is the patient. The patient, okay. Uh, it's you're being served. You right. know, when you go through the clinic, you're the one being served. Right. So we'll call the patient the product. Now, you walk into the office, uh, you go up to the desk, and then they're going to like have you fill out some forms and maybe process payment. But you know, we'll we'll call that a non-conversion because really, it's you're basically being handled. And, you know, it's just, it's just paperwork. So you call that non-conversion. Right. Now you go back to it. They'll send you back to a chair to wait for a while for the doctor to attend to you. So while you're sitting in the chair waiting to be called, you, uh, you call that a delay because the, like no nurse, no doctor is attending right. to you. Now you get called to go to go into the, you know, exam room and you'll walk into the exam room and they'll take your vital signs and they'll weigh you, do some things like that. And at, during that time, you would call it non-conversion because it's really just an inspection of you. Right. You're just kind of determining, you know, what, what's, you know, you're kind of just establishing a baseline. You're just determining, you know, how fit the person really is. And then you're going to sit and wait in that waiting room for a while. So that's another big delay. And at a certain point, you know, the doctor is actually going to attend to you and take steps to make you better. And so that would be called a conversion. Mm. So that, that to me would illustrate some examples of delay, conversion, and non-conversion. But if you go into a typical doctor's office, the, the actual conversion is a really small piece of what actually occurs. You know? It really is. And, and here's what I think that's so beautiful about what you're talking about. Because when you first started talking about delay, non-conversion, and conversion, 
And you use delay is where we want to kind of eliminate kind of first, right? So in our example, we had delay when you first are waiting to be called. And then we have a second delay right. when we're sitting in the room right. on the, uh, I, don't, I call it butcher's paper, it's like they should put a pickle next to me, you know, like a sandwich, jelly sandwich. <laughs> exactly, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but we have, exactly. Those two, <laughs> we have those two delays at, at that, at that, in those pieces. And how much more efficient could we be if we could reduce those? Uh-huh. Right? I mean, that's the no, point. No, that's, exactly. that's the exactly. point. Isn't that the, that's the point of really quantum lean is when I lay this all out and uh-huh. you call it, uh, you call it, uh, you, when we lay this out, it's actually, um, uh, you, you, it's called a PPD, but, um, the, the truth that the, the, the full name is, um, uh, help me here. Product path diagram. It's a product. Yeah. Product path diagram. Yes. Right. So, so the, this product path diagram, which la- labels this all out with the time, how much time we spent in delay. So in your example, you said there was a sign in that took 10 minutes. That was our non-conversion. Yeah, yeah. We waited in the lobby, um, and that could be an hour or two. And then, uh, right. then you enter the exam room, which took you a minute. And then they take yeah. your vital signs, which is a couple minutes. Then you waited for the doctor again for 30 minutes. Then you got your consultation. Then you move to your payment desk and then you pay it and you leave. So the the truth of the matter is if I can cut down, if I was in that doctor's office, right? If I mm-hmm. can cut down my delay of waiting in the lobby and waiting for the doctor, if I could cut those two things down, I can see more patients. And if I could see more patients, right. I can increase the number of patients I have. Now I'm more efficient. Not only that, I'm more profitable. And on top of it, there are all these costs that if, if a doctor is going to keep people waiting in the system, he's going to create much higher cost structure for himself. Mm. Because when people are sitting in the waiting rooms, the more the more weight there has, the more people you have to have sitting in waiting rooms. Mm. And those waiting rooms aren't free. Like, like those exam tables, all the different medical equipment and stuff you see, the computers, they all cost money. But if you have minimum wait times, you can have fewer examination rooms which means less cost for the doctor. If you have less weight, you have a smaller waiting room, which is which means the doctor can spend less on rent, you know, those ty- and also less on utilities, those types of things, because you can have a smaller office and still see the same or more number of people. And, uh, you know, bet, and to me, as a, as a nice cost reduction to society, is the way I feel about clinics, hospitals, you name it, you want to get out of there as fast as possible because right. that's where people get sick. That's where people die. <laughs> so you want your exposure down to the bare minimum. Right. And so to me, the less that people have to spend in that office, generally people are going to get less sick as, as a probability as well. So to me, it's, 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 a, it can be good for the doctor. He can see more patients. He can lower his cost structure and the patients can benefit as well. There, there's a, there's an, there's this other piece that you, you kind of, kind of briefly said there too, is that, you know, you're still paying the staff whether those people sit or not. Mm-hmm. And the lights are still on, whether yeah, <laughs> right. I mean, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're still wasting. You're still wasting people's time because if people are just sitting, what mm-hmm. are your people really doing? Well, that that, and on top of it is that there's a certain amount of attention and care that has to be put to the people in the waiting room. They're going to be coming up to the desk mm-hmm. saying, "Hey, you know, when." When's the doctor going to, you know, when, 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 when am I coming in? Things like that. And so there's even extra work that the staff has to do just to, you know, water and feed the patients. Whereas if they're not there, that's less effort on the staff's part, you know? Yeah. I think, I think for people, um, for you, for all of you listening here, I, I think, you know, if you, when you t- get this book, um, I think one of the things that you need to do is you really need to take a strong look at this product path diagram because, it literally labels out the conversion, non-conversion, and the delay. And you start putting the time to this. Now we start quantifying how much wasted time that you probably have in your office. And by the way, we did this with the doctor's office. You could do this with a real estate office. You could do this in an attorney's office. Uh, you could do this at a mortgage uh, lender's office. You could do this virtually anywhere. Matter of fact, you could do it at your house. Uh, uh, we'll probably get to talking about how to make a more efficient brain butter and jelly sandwich because that's actually in the book. Um, but... The truth of the matter is, Sean, we can apply this anywhere, whether it's in our life or whether it's in a business. Oh, absolutely. I I completely agree with that. Totally. And uh, to me, uh, just 
I, I don't want to give away any punchline, but in the book, the book even gives an example of going to the movies. Right. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And to me, it's, it can apply to anything. And I think that a listener to this program might be surprised at how applicable it is to, to a person going to the movies because a lot, there's really a lot that a theater can do to actually, you know, improve their operations that way. Yeah, well, I think the thing, the, the thing that was more f- most fun, and I told people how much fun I had this, was just applying it to everything that I was seeing. I'm now seeing the world in a different way um, after reading this book going, oh, my gosh, we could cut this back. We could save, we could save yeah. money. You could be saving money here. So in Chapter 5, we have a quantum lean tool. So we have this toolbox. Right. And um, there's this toolbox of tools that we have that kind of apply to quantum lean. And the really... Uh, I called the uh, you know the the product diagram and uh, the three criteria the conversion non conversion I, I found those to be like the fundamental foundation of right. everything that quantum lean is, but then we have these tools that you may that you may want to use or or actually depending on your situation you'll want to use them right so I want I know we're not going to get through all of them but I want to talk about a few of them because. There's some that I feel like have priority, and you kind of did that for us in there. The first one is called DBR, or drum buffer rope. Um, first of all, that's a very weird term. <laughs> right, right. That's, that's so yeah. help us understand where dr- drum buffer rope came from, and what is that, and what is the tool? Well, there, there's uh, drum buffer rope came from a book called The Goal, and it was a novel uh, that was written about a plant manager that had three months to turn a plant around. And, uh, and in this book, you go on this plant manager's path of discovery where he figures out a system to schedule his shop floor and control the work in a way that makes a much more efficient shop. And the book's really good. It's easy to read. And I think it is, in my opinion, in business, I consider it one of the foundational books of business. It's, it's really good. The guy, the guy that came up with it was brilliant. And the one thing that I say in the book and that we say in the book is that the guy was brilliant, but when he coined a term to describe his system, I think he was less than brilliant because there's a term called drum buffer rope, like, like you're, you're talking about. And when I explain drum buffer rope to people, they get confused. I get confused. And so that's where, uh, you know, I kind of, you know, we kind of went, Hey, we got to explain this in a different way. And I was talking to you earlier, Jay, about, uh, the washer dryer situation. And uh, like I've, and when I explain it to people, I say, I call it washer dryer scheduling because the point that he makes in the book, if we're making it really simple, is that businesses have washer, they have one dryer. I mean, they have like, yeah, one dryer that paces everything. And then they have a whole bunch of washing machines that can outpace that dryer. And if you try to, to make everything efficient in your plant or your business, you're going to be real inefficient because it's like the scenario I brought up where if you try to run the washer and the dryer all out, you're going to end up with piles of wet clothes, which just creates all kinds of problems. And so that's, that's the point he makes in the book. And so uh, to explain drum buffer rope, I would explain it to people as washer dryer scheduling and it's just try to pace everything to the dryer and then you'll actually create all kinds of untold efficiencies that way i think you know i think about this in a real estate office you know a lot of real estate offices have uh, closing coordinators um right and if you have a number of sales agents let's say you have a big huge sales team right but let's say you have very few closing coordinators or um maybe listing coordinators uh people who have to people who put in the data to so that the properties go to the MLS, right? Mm -hmm. But so here comes a whole bunch of listings. Well, you can only be as fast as that one, you know, uh, that one listing coordinator who's putting in all that data can be because you, 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 you have a whole bunch of, now you're, you're bottlenecked. You talk about this right now. We're bottlenecked because I've got all these, all these listings, these houses are wanting to come on the market, but I've only got one person who's got to put all that stuff into the multiple listing service. Right. So the dryer right. only goes, the, dry, <laughs> the dryer's taken longer than it took you to list all these properties. So how does drum buffer rope, how is that a tool that we can use to overcome that? Yeah. Well, uh, one thing is like if, if other resources are feeding that dryer and the dryer is getting overwhelmed, one of the first things you do is you stop overwhelming the dryer. Mm. Like you, you actually throttle the other the other resources or the other people back. And then you look at the dryer and you're going, what can I do to free up 
you know, like time for that dryer, like anything, like maybe it would be, I mean, like if I were in a house, maybe I would actually hang up laundry in the room and let it dry by air while the, while the dryer is working on a load so I can get it pre-dried a little bit. Right. Or maybe the washer I use, like, like once it's done, I'll actually run it through a wringer to get more water out just to free up time for the dryer. You know, if I can get more water out of the clothes, the dryer will have less time. You, you figure out any strategy you can to really elevate the dryer. I love yeah. that. I love yeah. that because in the example that I just gave, what, the, what these what these listing agents could be doing, right, is they could actually be doing more of the paperwork so that the that the listing coordinator has less to do. Right. So maybe they can maybe they can finish up a little bit, make the paperwork more complete, mm-hmm. right, so that there's a less for them to have to do. Maybe they can have all the pictures ready to go so that the listing coordinator isn't having to go out and do all that other work. So anything that you could take off of the pressure off of that. By doing maybe a little extra up front can actually help make things move a little faster. Is that is that a pretty good? Way? That, that's a that's beautiful. I mean that yeah I couldn't say it better. That's <laughs> that's a, I mean seriously I couldn't. And and that's to me funny. it's in that business not only will they get their cost structure down but they'll also get more stuff out. So it's it's just a double whammy that's pretty neat. You know. Yeah, that's pretty okay. That's pretty cool. So drum buffer rope. I I, I love that. It's it's uh, yeah. it's really cool. Okay, so. Here's another one. Um, it's called the 5S right. Workplace Organization, and um, this one, um, this one's a, it's got a lot of pieces and parts to it. I felt, it's, I felt like it's a tool that's got legs. Is <laughs> what it kind yes. of is what I felt. So yes. before we do that, before we talk about 5S, let's do this, Sean. Hey, everyone. Um, by the way, you're listening to Sean Fields, uh, co-author book Quantum Lean right here on A New Direction. Folks, listen, I love my uh, two sponsors and I love Epic Physical Therapy. They are, in fact, my therapists. They deliver, They have a, their facilities are beautiful, by the way. I just was in there the other day uh, getting some new uh, t-shirts and uh, for the show. And by the way, the t-shirts are comfortable and they're great. But uh, they offer the most advanced top-of-the-line equipment, including the Alter-G anti-gravity treadmill, which I actually saw somebody running in and it was really cool, and um, it was taking the pressure off of her joints as she was running. It was really cool. And then there's the Normatec compression sleeves. Um, as we age, sometimes a little compression helps us. Uh, the Game Ready, which is uh, cold ice over your joints that just oh, just feels so good, and the pressure. Uh, they are trained and certified in the most comprehensive cutting-edge treatments available, um, things like blood flow restriction therapy, dry needling, cupping, just to name a few. Look, if you're ready for your epic relief, ready for your epic recovery, ready for your epic results, you know what? You can learn more by going to epicpt.com. That's E-P-I-C-P-T.com. And Linda Craft and Team Realtors, for over 35 years, they've been helping the world. How do they do that? Well, first of all, she's independently and locally owned in the Research Triangle Park of North Carolina. And so because of that, she was able to establish relationships with the best professional realtors all over the world because she is all about the relationship. Matter of fact, her very first customer from 1985 sees her today. So listen, when you're ready to work with the legend of customer service, which she is known as, Work with the folks at Linda Craft and Team Realtors. You can learn more by going to lindacraft.com. That's L-I-N-D-A-C-R-A-F-T dot com. And we're back here on A New Direction with uh, co-author Sean Fields and the book uh, Quantum Lean. And we are talking about some of the tools that we use in Quantum Lean. And one of the tools that we're talking about is 5S, the workplace organization piece. So let's talk about 5S because it's really 5S's is what it yes. is. Uh, and, and so, but what is this tool supposed to do uh, in terms of organization? Well, yeah, first it's, it's nothing that we invented that Michael Sanders or I invented. It's very popular throughout industry, but it's just a way of getting you to organize your workplace so that you can get delays out due to people having to look for things you know, uh, like for example, uh, you and I were talking right before this interview and you were talking about guys looking for a screwdriver for 10 minutes <laughs> and 5S is all about that. And so, you know, they start with the idea of you sort things out where you get rid of stuff that you don't use and you just, you know, get down to the stuff that you actually use on a day-to-day basis. And then they talk about organizing it and also like cleaning things up because there's a site to me clean, there's a, uh, there's a communication that occurs when you clean things up. Like if you clean machines, 
you can often find out, uh, you know, if the machine's leaking or not, you know, things like that. Like if a, if a machine's crusted up with grease and dirt, it's easy to hide leaks, you know, conditions that are bad. So there's, you sort things out, you organize them, you also clean them, and then you try to get that thing going across the whole business. And then you also, uh, like sustain it because that's that's really the tough thing whenever you're or doing organization is that uh, when people organize you know like let's say they clean up their house it takes all of 15 minutes for the house to just decay you know to just completely fall apart right. and that's what happens in a lot of businesses you know like if you're at a corporation uh, and this happened at corporations I worked for the CEO would be coming and oh every you know all the stops would be pulled out to get the place cleaned up and then when the CEO left it took less than a day for everything to fall apart again so so that's you know but that's more or less what 5s is about yeah well I think I think we underestimate um, how important cleanliness is to any business right I mean if we're if we're taking I mean because every business is using a computer yes right? Or a laptop, you know, are we taking care of it? Are we blowing it out? You know, cause it gets stuff in it, right? Are we taking care yep. of it, maintaining it? Do we have somebody do regular checkup on our networks? Yep. Uh, right. I mean, these are the type of things that we're talking about that apply. Oh, exactly. And if, if we're talking about organization, the computer is, I would say candidate number one for organization because there are all kinds of file formats, naming conventions, everybody names their files differently. If uh, John has to go get a file that Paul created, good luck on that. And also, I mean, computers get infected with viruses. People don't keep their software up to date. And there's all kinds of stuff like that. But if you're, you know, keeping the condition good and you have it where one person could go into the system and find anything in 30 seconds, you've really got something. And I don't think many businesses can pass that test. I, I totally can't. Yeah, I mean, you can. I, I can walk into. I can walk into attorneys' offices and tell you they can't. Yeah, <laughs> I can walk into doctors' yeah. offices and tell you they can't. I, yeah, exactly. I mean, you can, you can. I can walk into a movie theater, and definitely tell you they can't. <laughs> exactly, and I mean, you know, I'm guilty of it myself. You know, like if my wife were looking for one of my files on my computer, I would fail that test. But it's it's a good and perfect standard for us to hold on to. Is that really our? If our stuff were so organized that let's say your spouse could go find it in 30 seconds or less, you know, we would really all be better off. I mean, you wouldn't have to have your wife telling you you're looking right at it. You know, like when you, you know, I, I think every man's done that where they ask their wife, where is this? And she says, man, you're looking right at it. You moron, you know, that kind of thing. So, you know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But if we're, if we're really, really organized beautifully, we were all aligned then, I mean, yeah, you wouldn't have to bug your spouse, you know, that kind of thing. Don't you, I, I think I recall this in the book that you, re, that you kind of, we can apply this actually to, um, filling out forms, right? Oh, or, oh, or yeah. Having the form organized, yeah. uh, having a contract organized in the right way, making sure that the signature is big enough for us to sign and fit in there. Yeah, 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 exactly. Right. I mean, because, because to me that, and especially early on, uh, when, when email was, you know, becoming a thing, right. one of the things that I would see is you'd be given all kinds of space to put your middle initial, but then you were given like just a crack to put your email address in when you were filling stuff out. And, you know, they didn't really allot the proper spacing for you to really fill out the form properly. Right. And so you'd have, always have to run over to another area, things like that. But to me, you know, you go to businesses, let's say the, you've got outside sales and they send in like an order or a quote to the, to the people inside who have to fulfill. They often, the information is all over the place. You, you know, to try to piece it together takes time and stuff is missing. But if you can get really things like forms organized, you can detect something missing like that and find out immediately. And then you get rid of delays. And also, yeah, if it's, yeah, the, the, if things are missing, plus you can just find the information fast. If everybody has a consistent understanding of where that information has to be. Right. Right. So this is, I just find these, these tools were really fascinating. And some of them, of course, uh, were th those two tools were extra all of them were great um, huh? I want to talk about one more tool and that's called standard work right. um, because it, it there's a there's also another tool called quality at source um, but this affects this talks about delay and non-conversion this effect this one particularly affects delay and non-conversion right huh? so what yes. is standard work and how does that apply well to me where I like to use standard work 
is as a means of getting the product as consistent as possible. Like to me, a lot of business owners just love the idea because in their mind, standard work means I'm going to get the time down. And, you know, to me, that's a byproduct. But if you miss the chance to use standard work to get really consistent product, I mean, it's like you're really missing the big opportunity there. So you, you first, to me, if you use standard work for the right reasons, you'll get so much more from it. But the other thing that uh, is nice about when you're trying to do standard work is if you use that product path diagram or the PPD, is that it actually works in terms of getting uh, like jobs more efficient because uh, what what you'll find and is that if you take an atom, an atom can be split into subatomic particles. And then it turns out those particles can be split into smaller particles and those particles can be split into smaller particles. Like back in the probably 30s or 40s, well, now let's say back in the 20s, people thought the atom was the smallest unit possible. But it turns out no one's found the smallest, you know, like part, they, no one's found the smallest particle yet. They keep finding smaller and smaller ones. And if you actually take a conversion operation and start really drilling down on it, it can be split into delays, non-conversions, and conversions. And so if you if you do that, you can actually make that job, that conversion job, more and more efficient and more consistent as well. I just found this fascinating because it's just like I could see how this can apply to literally every situation, in my, I'm in, even in my own life, right? How I could be better. I just, yeah. I, I, I just see it. it it's just... It's just incredible because I've just really enjoyed doing this. So I want to, I want to talk about uh, while we're in standard work, right? One of the one of the best things you ever did was you gave us the example of the peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and uh, just to describe it, uh, and I'm going to have you walk through, but I'm just describe it. There is a pantry uh, on one side of the room. There is okay. a counter uh, kind of up and to your right from the other side of the pantry, and there is a table kind of almost in between the pantry and the counter. Oh. And we're going to make a peanut butter and jelly. Sean and I are going to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. So yeah. let's talk about uh, standard work and the the PPD and how we're, how we're what our problems are with making a peanut butter sandwich and how we can overcome them. Well, now I've slept, you know, I've slept since, uh, you know, writing that. But, you know, fundamentally, when you're making that peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and if you're doing it like people will do in their house, they've got, their ingredients in different spots. So maybe the bread is in the pantry, the jelly and the peanut butter is in a, is in a, is in a cabinet and the knives are in a drawer and so <laughs> forth. And so, you know, if you actually look at, if you say the peanut butter and jelly sandwich is the product, you look at what's happening. And if you're looking at the first part of it, it's just the peanut butter you know, sandwich is waiting for all the ingredients to be gathered. <laughs> So it's, it's just waiting for that. And now you're going through the process of making the peanut butter and jelly sandwich and you run into different kinds of delays due to, you know, d like different events, unforeseen events. Like let's say the jar gets stuck. Right. Okay, what do you do now? And if you're the peanut butter jelly sandwich, you could focus on the person and all their effort to unstick the jar. But really it's simple to just say the sandwich is waiting for you to unstick the jar and you just call it a big fat delay. And what will happen is once you accumulate all these different symbols in the making of a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, you can figure out what things do I want to work on first, second, and third to make this a more enjoyable experience, you know? I, I just found that it was so much fun to see how you could reduce time by making sure that everything, if we brought everything to the table and then mm -hmm. we, we moved, we could just be so much faster at making a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. So let's talk about uh, buy-in because this does sound great. And every business should be doing this, mm -hmm. but not every business wants to. So what, what are some of the obstacles that we have to overcome uh, real briefly? What, what are some of those obstacles that we need to overcome and how do we overcome them and try to get this implemented into our business? Yeah. Well, the good thing about quantum lean is like, as far as most people, 95% of people, they embrace it pretty fast because it appeals to people's common sense. That, that's what I found. But the, the barrier that happens, and to me it happens no matter what thing you're trying to do, but to me the main barrier that you get into, it's, it's two big things. In my opinion, it's the, there's the people-to-people -people aspect, and, and this may sound all hippie-ish, but to me the energy you bring to a situation I think is everything. Like if, if people don't believe that you can relate to them at all, 
then they're really kind of walled off if, if they don't believe you've got any common experience. And so to me, you've got to try to find what's common about your experience and that person's experience. I, so, And I believe that makes for a better energy. And if you have a comfort with yourself, I think that helps you with people. Mm. And the, the, the third thing is, well, that's the second thing I'm going to talk about is I think follow-up. It really is. If you will follow up, mm. and that's hard to do, but if you follow up, you have a great shot at success. And and to me, that's where most things fly off the rails. But to me, if you actually, well, anything, yeah, any, like if you're doing a diet, if you're doing exercise, if you're doing, you know, everybody agrees those things make sense. Let's eat right. Let's, you know, let's actually not sit on the couch all the time, but then people will kind of fall away, you know, at that point. But if you can follow up, and you keep doing it about, if you keep doing something significant about five times, you have a huge chance of big success. Because, and there, there's, the book goes into that. It's just, it's just a law of percentages. But if you, even if you're only batting 50% of the time, let's say you bet 51%, like within five tries, you, you've, it's a lead pipe cinch. And if you're a professional gambler, 51% will make you rich beyond anybody's dreams ever possible. So really, you don't have to be a genius. You don't have to be, you know, right all the time, and nobody is. So if if you can be right a reasonable amount of time, even a person who's right only thirty percent of the time will get it right after about, if I'm remembering, maybe seven or eight times. So if you just are persistent and have uh, follow up, you'll be good. And I believe quantum lean is an essential ingredient because if you've got a good method, that that reinforces the other two things in a big way and gets you there faster. You know. We've been on almost an hour. It has gone so fast, and I've I, I've, I've had a great time with you. Well, I I have too. Yeah, um, so you're 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 a, you're a very exceptional interviewer. I have yeah, I have to say, <laughs> thank you. And and, I, and I'm not trying to butter the toast. That that's sincere. You know. <laughs> thank you, thank you. That's very yeah. kind of you. I yeah. um I loved the book because it made it easy. Yeah. <laughs> you, yeah. you you guys yeah. made it easy on me yeah. to interview because I loved it. Yeah. Um, so I call the show a new direction because we try to help people find a new direction in their, uh, you know, in success or leadership in business and life and career. If you could leave the people with a new direction based on your book, uh, quantum oh. lean, okay. what would you leave them with? Okay. Uh, I would probably leave it to two different groups of people for those who have actually tried to like get lean going at their business or their, you know, or their situation. And you've had a lack of success. I firmly believe this book will restore your confidence and give you a path to get it done. For those who haven't looked into this, I say I recommend look into Lean because Lean has done miracles for companies. Now, the reason I say Quantum Lean over the other books is that it will give you a path that's simpler, more efficient, and it's not been talked about in the other 9,999 books. They flat don't talk about it. This, this is, this truly is different. And I know you're going, yeah, right. But I really sincerely believe this is different. There are a couple or three other lean books that I consider really good. And like Mark Deluzio's book, I consider really good, but I do think that quantum lean offers, you know, a, a different approach that I think will be very meaningful to people who don't mass produce. You know? I totally agree. Awesome. Awesome book. Stay with me folks. You know what? That's the show. You know, uh, I say to you regularly, you know what? Listen, Attitude and effort will take you everywhere. If you have a great attitude, a great effort, it can do so much for you. So you know what? You're always in control of that. Stay in control of it. And then, you know, here's the deal. I'm going to be back next week with another great book. It's going to be another great guest. It's going to be another great show. As I say to you every week, and you know what that is? Shalom. Dreams will take you places you have never been before Find your passion, find your strength Don't worry